Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Y'all can be seated. Is there anyone else wondering what the heck that loud noise was during the prayer? What happened? Everybody boo Brandon. Boo. All right. It's all right. It's all right. It's all good. It's always fun to come here because uh, I have a, it's always come to, it's fun to wear a coat to the church uh, because everybody always says the same thing. Why do you have a coat on? Why do you look, so, you usually wear flip flops. Why do you have a coat on? And I say the same thing. I have a job interview after this. Uh, bigger church, more money, less hassle. That's what we're doing. So, yeah. So everybody doing well? How about them balls yesterday? Let's talk about football. This is one of those weeks we can talk about football. Anyway, I won't do that. Not, not yet. So not yet. Hey, listen, I do want to, I want to talk to you today. Um, whenever I, I know this will shock some of you guys because of, of who you know me to be now, but I used to be an HR director, a human resource director. Um, of a campus of about 80 to 100 employees, it was a it was a um, it was a children's home. It was a large children's home. We would we had gosh we had 100 something kids on campus, and then we had probably another hundred that we ministered to in the community. And um, I saw a lot of resumes, like I saw a lot of resumes, uh, and there were good ones, there were bad ones. Uh, I think the funniest thing <clears throat> that I saw on a resume was because uh, we always wanted to ask people, hey, what are some accomplishments that you had in life? And the funniest thing I saw was, was that they were the third grade spelling bee champion. Uh, this person was in their 40s and they still were hanging on to the trophy, which is great for them. Uh, and I checked their whole resume. Nothing was misspelled. Nothing. So that was fun. Uh, but anyway, I used to see a lot of resumes. And so what a resume does, and I was talking to someone about their resume recently. What a resume does, <clears throat> it gives people a snapshot. It tells people what you are all about. It tells people what your, you know, your, your, if you have degrees, your degree field, or if you have a trade or a skill, your trade or a skill, or uh, your job experience, what's your expert in. It tells them all about you. And if you write a really good resume, you should be able to do all that in one page. That's why if you are looking for a job and you want to do a resume, try to get it on one page because that is very enticing to people because they see a bunch of resumes and they don't want to flip through a bunch of stuff. One page resume tells them all about you. That's what resumes are. It's information dealing with who you are. And so as we begin the series, 
in John. We're going through the book of John. The whole book of John we're going through. We do this during the school year. I'm going to be completely transparent with you and tell you that I hope we get through by May. We may not. It may be August. Who knows? But we try to go through a book of the scriptures during the year and then in the summer we'll have some kind of topical discussion. But I want you to be biblically literate. I want you to be, have knowledge of what the text says and the scripture says. And so what we do here is we go through, uh, verse by verse, we go through the text and we're going to do that in the book of John. And the cool thing is, is that John starts out his book by giving Jesus's resume. That's what he does. He gives his resume. It's known as the prologue. And it's John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. It's the prologue. Now let me tell you, before we turn there, let me tell you some things about the book and the author. Now remember, John was the disciple that Jesus loved. And he is the author of the book. Now what John's doing is, is he is writing his account, by the way, his first-hand account his own eyes witnessed this. He's writing his account to an area known as ancient Ephesus. Now, something interesting about the book of John that you find very quickly is that Matthew, Mark, and Luke are known as the synoptic gospels. And what they do is they give us a synopsis of Jesus' entire life. And so if you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the first account you're going to start seeing <clears throat> is the account of Jesus' birth. You're going to see his birth all the way through his ministry and then all the way through. John doesn't do that. As a matter of fact, he doesn't mention it at all. When we come upon John, his goal is to give a little more theological detailed account of Jesus. He doesn't actually include a lot of biographical information about Jesus before his ministry began. As a matter of fact, John opens up the book with the resume and the resume includes an account that we're going to read today from John the Baptist, that which prepared the way for Christ. He opens up there and then he jumps right in to Jesus's ministry. Now the book is separated into two parts. I want you to get this. It's separated into two parts. John 1 through 12, a lot of times theologians call it the book of signs. Those are things that he, that he did. And then John 13 through 21, theologians call that the book of glory. It's when he's giving his life over for us and defeating death. So we labeled this series Believe. Why did we label it Believe? Well, here's your answer. This is the goal of John writing the book of John. The gospel of John was written for this reason. And it's found in John chapter 20, verse 31. This is going to be the main theme that we're going to read every week because I don't want you to miss out on the reason why John wrote this book and the reason why we need to study this book. And here it is. John 20, verse 
verse 31. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that you may believe that he is the Messiah, the Son of God. And this is the, this is the incredible part. And that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. John wants us to believe so that we can live. Believe and live. And that is going to be a theme that you're going to see throughout the whole gospel. Believe and live. And why can John say that? Well, let me tell you why he can say it. He said it because he walked with, experienced, and had first count eyewitness. He was a first account eyewitness to Jesus's life, his ministry, his teaching, his death, and his resurrection. And so he, his whole goal is for you to know Jesus closely and to experience joy and abundance from the life now. Are you with me? A lot of times we hear people say, he, you know, that, 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 you know, God wants us to experience eternal life. And we think about going to heaven and how great heaven will be. And listen, that's 100% the truth. What John is saying is this. If you believe, you will experience that heaven. But if you believe, you will experience life beginning right now. Now, I've told you before that the minute that you give your life over to Christ, you become a citizen of heaven and you have all the rights and authority of someone who is a citizen of heaven. And that between the time you give your life over and you go to heaven, we still are in a fallen state in the world. We are in the world, but we're not of the world. Because we are citizens of heaven. What John is saying is this. If you will follow Jesus and believe the things that he said and follow the things that he said, you will live not only in heaven, but you will live on earth as well in a way that both glorifies God and that makes your life something that has meaning. Believe and live. And that's the message. And that's the whole goal of the book. With that said, let's read John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. I want to encourage you to do something that, uh, that I don't always encourage, but I do want to encourage you to do something. I want to encourage you uh, as believers, and there's nothing wrong with technology. I love technology. If you have an iPad, that's great. But I've told you this before. Whenever I die, okay, 70 years from now when I die, all right, I want my children and my grandchildren to be able to touch and feel and see this Bible. I want them to see the notes that I've taken. I want them to see what's important to me. I want them to know what's important to me. I want them to see notes written in the lines. And so I want to encourage you as a believer in Christ, get you an actual Bible. I use technology all day, every day. I do. And I use, when I study, I use technology. 
But when it comes to learning about Christ, I get notebooks. When it comes to learning about the scriptures, I get a notebook. So I want to encourage you to go out and grab a Bible and, or bring yours and then bring a notebook and a pen and take notes with what we're going to talk about. Now, let me say something to you. You may not agree with everything I say. That's okay. That's all right. I promise you that if you'll show up, that God will use me. Listen, he used a donkey. Surely the heck he can use me to teach you something about the text of the scripture. So I encourage you to do that. All right, I'll get off my soapbox. With that said, here we go. Let's go through this text. In the beginning, the word already existed. I could stop right there and literally write a theological textbook. It's been done. Write a theological textbook on the weight and the magnitude of that half verse. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. Can we go back to that verse? In the beginning. What does that sound like? It sounds like Genesis. It sounds like Genesis chapter 1 is what it sounds like. It sounds like Genesis chapter 1. And John did that on purpose. He is, he is recalling their minds. They knew Genesis chapter 1. He is recalling their minds in the beginning. So just like when you heard this, they heard the same thing and they thought, ooh, Genesis chapter 1, creation. And then he says, the word already existed. And the word was with God. Okay, well, wait a minute. That means there's two. You see, because what he's doing here is simply confirming the Trinity. In the beginning, the word already existed. And the word was with God. And the word was God. And this, and then it gets, it gets better, y'all. Like someone say, it gets gooder and gooder. Here we go. He existed in the beginning with God. Now, hold on to yourself here. Because you're getting ready to learn something. This is an amazing thing. God created everything through him. And nothing was created except through him. So we're going to go a little deeper in this, but I want you to understand something. How did God create? He spoke. He spoke it into existence. He created with words. Can we go back to the verse 3? He created with those words. God created everything through him. And nothing was created except through him. Who's him? It's Jesus Christ. Jesus was the creative arm of God. And he did so in the beginning because he was there with God in the beginning as well as Holy Spirit was with God. We see Holy Spirit when it says the Spirit of the Lord was hovering over the waters in Genesis chapter 1. And so from right now on we know that Jesus is one important dude. He's one important dude. Let's keep going here. 
And it said, the word gave life to everything that was created. Who was the word? It was Christ. And life brought, and his life brought light to everyone. And then it goes on in verse five. And it says this, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. So man, that's a lot. That's a lot. And so John wanted you to know how important he was. And then he switches over to John the Baptist. He switches over to John the Baptist. And he says, listen, now I want to talk to you about John the Baptist a little bit. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light, Christ, so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. Now, John himself was not the light. And by the way, he said so. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Remember what happened? Do you remember what happened whenever John the Baptist was in the wilderness and people began to come to him? You know what happened? All of the religious people were confused. They were confused and, and they all were like, wait a minute, who is this guy that brings about so much power? Who is this guy that brings about, who, who is this guy that has these, he's claiming these things. And so then they went out and asked John, they said, John, who are you? Are you the Messiah? And he said, no, I'm not the Messiah. And, and then he begins to tell them, now there's one coming after me whose who sandals I'm not even, I, I, don't, I, I don't even need to be, I just fall at my feet, at his feet. That's how great he is. John was the one that would lead the way to Christ. He, he came to the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people and even they rejected him. And here it is. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. To all who believed him and accepted him. He gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human, resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. And we're going to see that in chapter 3 with Nicodemus. We're going to see that interesting little play on words where he says, you must be born again. We're going to see that. So the word Christ became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. And John tested about, about him when he shouted to the crowds, this is the one that I was talking about when I said someone is coming after me who is greater than I am. And here it is, even John knew, for he existed long before me. From his abundance we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through, Christ, through Jesus Christ. And this is the most amazing part. No one has ever seen God. But the unique one who is himself God is near to the Father's heart 
And he has revealed God to us. And that is the resume that John wanted you to know and me to know about who Christ was. That's the resume. Let's dive a little deeper into it and see. I want to talk to you first and let you know that Jesus was there from the beginning. Jesus was there from the beginning. Once again, this should immediately call your attention to Genesis chapter 1, the creation story. I want to let you know something, and I want you to understand this very clearly. Jesus was not created. He was there from the beginning. He was there from the beginning. He wasn't something that was created out of our own brain. He wasn't something that was, he, listen, he wasn't a false prophet. He wasn't that. He wasn't just some wise man. He wasn't that. He wasn't someone, something that someone made up. He wasn't that. He wasn't a snake oil salesman that goes around and tries to tell people you need to do this and do this. He wasn't that. He wasn't some kind of magician that some people like to say he was. He wasn't that. He wasn't just a powerful preacher like me. He wasn't that. He wasn't that. He was there in the beginning and he was with God and he was God. He is God. There's no separation between him and the Father. It is the triune God. It's the three in one that we see. And Jesus was there in the beginning. And I don't know about you, but that should give you if, you, if you've been wondering if you should follow Christ, if you've been wondering if he has the power to heal things, if you've been wondering if he has the ability to help, help you in your time of trouble, if you've been wondering if he has the ability to answer your questions. If you've been wondering if he has the ability to explain and understand everything going on in the world today, then you should know that he was there from the beginning. And he has all the power to do what he wants to do and what he will do, no matter what people today say. In John chapter 17, verse 5, here's what he says. <clears throat> now, Father... Bring me into the glory, here it is, that we shared before the world began. Jesus himself is telling us that he was there before the world began. The next thing I want you to know is, is that Jesus created all things. He created all things. Things He was the creative arm of God himself because God spoke the word and Jesus was the method that he used for creation. And I want you to know something else that nothing, say nothing, nothing, nothing was created on this earth unless by Christ. Nothing, nothing. The trees that you see, the earth, the ground that's, that's below us. He has all power and deserves all glory because he was the creative arm of God himself. Nothing was created except through Christ. In Colossians 1, 15 through 17, it says this. Colossians 1, 15 through 17, it says, it says that Christ is the visible image 
of the invisible God and that he existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. And then it goes into verse 16 and says, for through him, through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. And then it goes in verse 17. He existed before anything else. And I love this part because it's so true that he holds creation together. You want to know why you should follow Christ? Because all of this was his idea to begin with. He is the created arm of God. All of this is done because of him. And he is the one. Listen, do you want to know why everything hasn't went into total turmoil? Do you want to know why, you know, scientists are just now discovering different things about the galaxies and the universe. Scientists are discovering various things about how our bodies are made up and, and how, how our brain works and all these different functions and all these different things. And here's the reality of the matter. Christ was the creator and he holds all those things together. I want you to know something Jesus Christ is not just some kind of sweet, loving, compassionate person that lived and that died and, and, that, and that you need to follow because he was sweet and compassionate. Therefore, you need to be sweet and compassionate. Now, he was sweet and compassionate. But I want to tell you something. He was much more than that. He was. He was much more than that. He was the creator of all things. And even now, as we sit here today, he holds that creation. He holds it in place. Even now. Even now. Hebrews 1 2 says this. It says, And now, in these final days, he has spoken. Who's he? God has spoken to us through who? His Son. God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance. And I love this. And through the Son, He created the very universe that we see. How incredible a picture is that? Jesus is not only your Savior, He's also Creator. That's a picture of power. That's a picture of greatness. That's a picture of goodness. It's a picture of creativity. It's a picture of creativeness. It's a, it's a picture of love. But I want to tell you something else. I'm not done yet. That's not the resume. You know, sometimes whenever I would, whenever I would go and I would, I would get, a, get a resume from somebody, um, it would cut off at the bottom. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really, really, I'm going to tell on myself now. All right. And a half year going to go, what was that? Um, back in the day when I was doing it, there was this thing called a fax machine. All right. Now, a fax machine was you would put paper in and, and it, it would actually come through the other side. And it never quite looked like when you put it in, the other side didn't look that good. It was all mumble jumbled and it was always had these black spots all over it and it looked kind of weird. And sometimes I would get a resume and I would be like, where's the rest? And then I'd have to stop and I'd have to call and say, hey... 
so sorry, but the rest of the resume didn't come through. Can you send me the rest of the resume? And so now what I want to do is, is I want to fax you the rest of Jesus' resume. Because that's not the end of it. It gets better. Because he wasn't only there in the beginning. And he didn't just create all things. He's now bringing light in the darkness. Jesus brings light to the darkness. Let's look at John 1, 4, and 5 like we did earlier. It says, The Word gave life to everything that was created. And life brought light to everyone. And then it goes in verse 5. The light shines in the darkness. And I love this. And the darkness can never, ever, 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 ever extinguish it. There's a theme if you look in the Bible. And here's the theme. Death and darkness. Life and light. Death and darkness. And life and light. And Jesus brings, the creator of the world, brings life and light. He created the light. And now he will bring light to the darkness. What is the darkness? Let me tell you what the darkness is. In the beginning, God created. And we start seeing that. And then in chapter 3, what do we come upon? We come upon the fall. We come upon a fall and a disconnect between God. And I want to tell you something. Wherever God's not present, there's darkness. Whether it's in your home, in your heart, whatever. Wherever God's not present, there's darkness. Want to see that? Go to some places these days. Go to some, I, you know, I'd like to say it's in some club in New York, but the truth of the matter is, is in some of our schools, isn't it? It's in some of our businesses. Wherever there's not God, there's darkness. And when, it, when the fall happened in chapter 3 of Genesis, when God, there was a disconnect because of the fall of man, then darkness came in. And who was it? Who was it that would come and bring light to the darkness. Who was it? I'm going to tell you who it was. It was Jesus Christ, the very creator of light, the one that God used to create the light. John is shouting this, Jesus, the light, will now shine light to the darkness, and the darkness will never extinguish it. And I want you to know something. That's going to happen and that is already happening, whether or not you believe it, whether or not the society believes it, whether or not our government believes it, whether or not anyone in the world believes it, it's going to happen, and it's already happening. And eventually we're going to see the fulfillment of the light defeating the darkness. Now the best part's number four. Point four is this. Found in John 1.12. Can we bring up John 1.12? John 1.12 says this. For all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. How do you get the right to become children of God? You what? 
you believe. How do you live? How do you have a fulfilled life as John 10.10 is going to tell us? You believe. For all who believe and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Believe and live. Believe and live. Believe and live. Jesus provides a way for us. He provides a way for us. I'm going to tell you something. Whenever I was 18 years old, I was what I would define as an idiot. All right? I was an idiot. I didn't know anything about anything. I did horrible in school. Um, It's so funny because whenever people now hear that I kind of help with a school, they all laugh. People there in my senior class, they're like, bro, you help with the school? And I'm like, yeah, I know. It's kind of crazy. They said, no, it is crazy. It's not kind of crazy. It is crazy. I did horrible in school. I didn't know where I was going, what I was doing. I had no direction. I didn't. I was clueless. I thought I knew everything, but I knew nothing. And it wasn't until, it wasn't until on February 18th, 1990, that I met Christ, that suddenly a way was provided for me. A way was, I had to understand what Christ was all about, because I didn't. And I had to understand that, and a way was provided for us. A way out of what? Well, a way out of darkness, a way out of my fallen state. Uh, A way out of literally going to hell, a way out of my transgressions, a way out of my sin, a way, and I could go on and on and on. And the great thing for me is, is that I didn't come to Christ because I was scared to go to hell. I came to Christ because the people that I surrounded myself with and that God surrounded me with, they were such an example of love and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control, and I could go on and on. They were that kind of example that I was like, man, I can't help but, I can't help but do this. I can't help but do it. And at that moment, on February 18, 1990, I turned my life over to Christ. And at that moment, God provided a way for me. And the cool thing is, is he's provided a way for you, too. I want to go over some practical applications as we close. And look, these aren't rocket science. I'm going to try my best to give you guys some practical applications to your own life when we're going through this. And here's the first one. Here's the first one. Practical application number one is this. Turn your life over to Christ. If you haven't turned your life over to Christ, do that today, right now, in the next 15 minutes, whenever we're going to give you an opportunity to come down front and to say, I want to turn my life over to Christ. Turn your life over to Christ. If you've been wondering if you can handle it on your own, you cannot. You cannot. You know how I know that? Because no one can. Because no one besides Christ can bring light to the darkness. No one. No one can. The next thing I want to tell you is this. Draw close to Jesus. If you've already given your life over 
to Christ? If you've already said, you know what, I'm a follower of Jesus. Here's what I want to ask you to do. Draw close to Jesus. You know what, you know what John says? John says, I want to tell you about Christ. And here's, here's what I want to tell you. If you believe, you will have life. And John 10, 10 says, you will have it more abundant life. You will have a life because you've decided to draw close to Jesus. And I want to invite you to do the same thing. How do you do that? Well, you read his word. You study his word. You understand things like his miracles. You pray every day if you can. You submit your life over to him. You say, listen, I understand what your word says. And instead of my own opinion, I'm not going to replace my own opinion in my life because I've submitted myself to you. Your word is what's going to be my opinion from now on. Your example is going to be my opinion from now on. Man, I'm sounding like a Southern Baptist, ain't I? Woo! Somebody give me a napkin, y'all. Oh, my gosh. I don't need to wear coats this often, do I, man? I'm, I'm going to say it. I pound the pulpit. All right. It kind of hurts, so it's kind of steel. It's not wood. A little hand issue there. The next thing is this, and this is where we'll close. Live for him. Why? Because of his goodness? Because of his grace? Because he is who he says he is? And here's the most important part I want you to hear. If you don't hear anything else today, listen to this. Because I've learned something. Jesus Christ can be trusted. He can be trusted. Believe and live. Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for your powerful powerful word. Thank you, Lord, that you were there in the beginning. Thank you, Lord, that you have provided a way for us. Thank you, Lord, that we can trust you. Thank you, Lord, that when we give our lives over to you, we become citizens of heaven. Thank you, Lord, that you are who you say you are. And thank you, Lord, for the fact that you love us enough to come and die for us while we, will, while we were still yet sinners. Lord, let us take this first account, this first-hand knowledge account that John's going to give us. Let us take this and let us use this in our lives. God, Holy Spirit within us, I pray that you would teach us through this message and through this word that when we believe, we can live. That believe and live go hand in hand. And that there is no life apart from the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And Lord, as you do what we know you're going to do, we will, we will very, very intentionally give you all the power and glory and honor and praise. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God may have laid something on your heart today. I don't know if he did. Maybe there's something that you guys need to give over to him. Maybe you need to submit something over to him. I don't know. I have no idea. I do know this. I do know that when I try to carry all of my burdens, I end up tripping and falling over my own self. But when I give those up to him, that the weight comes off of me. Because he is, this is the cool part. 
Because He has not only promised me an abundant life here, He's also promised me an eternity, an eternity in heaven with Him. And I want to say, y'all, something that's the best news of all. Let's stand up and worship. Our altar is always open. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.